You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis here. Uh, we got another game to talk about. This one is not going to be as fun as the last one. We don't care about the result of it. There's just a lot of casualties from this one. Some things that are a lot more minuses than pluses compared to week one. So, you know, we're going to dive into it, give you all the facts, our inf- information that we know up to date our opinions on things, but uh, there is a lot to get into here. But before we do that, Aiden, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. I The fantasy football drafts have started for me. I think okay. I, I did my first league last night. I'm starting to dive back into fantasy. This is a, this is the time where it's like this Wednesday before. I've talked about this on the podcast, I think last year probably. But like the Wednesday before that first Thursday kickoff, to me, it, it feels like Christmas Eve. Like, yes. I'm not exaggerating. Like, it's almost as good as Christmas Eve, if not better. And so, like, I, I can feel that, like, it, it's like the energy of, like, you're starting to listen to Christmas music. Everybody's so, like, I'm getting that energy right now. I love that. Yeah, Mine is uh, mine is next Saturday. Um, And typically, I like to host it Labor Day weekend. But my friends were like, when is the last preseason game over? Let's do it the next day. So like a lot of my, or it's actually, so it's next Sunday, sorry. And they're like, they don't want to wait any longer. They want all these games. They want all the injuries to possibly happen. And then they want to go out and draft. So I'm right there with you right now. I'm only in one plus blog on the boys. So I guess two, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm pumped up for it. And you're the commission of blogging the boys. I am. For, and to I give you a peek year. behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> I won it last year too. So I need to, I think I'd be, I remember if I remember correctly, I'd be Danny Phantom in the championship last year. Got to defend the crown for BTB. Um, you know, I'm. It's funny. I've never won my league of record. Like the one that I've run yeah. for my family, I've never won it. But I'm one for one on blogging the boys' league, so I'll take it. So, I I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have one, since you're the big winner last year, mm-hmm. and we don't talk about fantasy at all, do you have a fantasy sleeper this year that our first and ten listeners to start looking into? Wow, you know what? Uh, he's actually on TV right now. Uh, but uh, as we record this Sunday night, but Kendra Miller from TCU on the New Orleans. Saints, I like it. Yeah. Right. He's he's different. And you're always looking for these rookie running backs. I think BJ Robinson's like the furthest thing from a sleeper. Everyone knows who he is. But Kendra Miller, man, he runs tough and he and he looks to be a guy that's going to get some good, uh, good touches, especially early with Kamara being suspended. Is He's healthy, fully healthy, right? Yeah, he's um he's, okay. he's he got hurt last week, but he's out there playing right now. So it doesn't look to be too, too bad. I love the pick. Thank I you, think thank I I don't I don't really want to say it on this podcast, <laughs> but one guy that I have been targeting in a lot of drafts just because I love the value. I I almost want to whisper it, Jahan Dotson to me. Like wow. that that's my sleeper this year. Mm. I think Jahan second year breakout, 
BTBers, I understand if you don't like drafting division <laughs> rivals, but if you do, consider Jahan Dotson. Maybe, maybe look away when you're making the pick, but that's mine. Yeah. You know what? And I, I you, we can talk about this for hours, but um, yeah. yeah, for me, I really hate drafting NFC East guys, but I always find myself with at least a couple of them, and it's tough. It's, it's, it's a really conflicted situation every Sunday. I will say I really don't draft NFC East quarterback just because it corresponds so well with success that like I'm not going to take Jalen Hurts this year because I don't want to be rooting for the Eagles every yeah, week. Yeah, that's a tough. Yeah, that's a tough one. I had like Miles Sanders in a year, so I'm yeah. yeah I'm I, it's a bad. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But at the end of the day, I'm like I'm trying to win a league here, so you know you weigh the pros and the cons. But it doesn't mean I gotta enjoy it, right? It doesn't mean I yeah. gotta like it. But <laughs> speaking of something we all we do not enjoy here, we're gonna lead off the show here with some, with some tough news. And this is I mean it doesn't matter who it is, but who it is does add another element of why we feel so bad about it. DeMarvion Overshone and John Stevens Jr., the linebacker and tight end, respectively, both rookie standouts through camp, both tore the same exact ACL in their left knee, ending their season really before it got to start. So um, I know RJ did an emergency podcast talking about it as that kind of broke Sunday afternoon. Uh, this is this is a tough pill to swallow, man. And, I, uh, you know, just uh, we're going to get into it more deep here, but Right off the bat, what is your initial thoughts of both of these guys losing them for the year for a tough injury? Yeah, the overshone. I want to start with the overshone injury because, like, at a personal level, this hurt me on three different ways. Because a, I'm a Texas fan. I was really rooting for overshone to succeed, especially coming out of the hype we've been hearing lately. Third round pick. I was. I really wanted to see overshone on the field this year, so it hurt me there. B, obviously. I'm a cowboy like everybody I'm going through the emotions that every Cowboys fan is right now. We're like, man, we really wanted to see what the first year breakout looked like. It looked like he was going to be a, a contributor, not just special teams contributor. Like we might've suspected at first he, that he ha- clearly has athleticism. And I think the, the aspect that hasn't really been discussed yet, but it does hurt is the fact that Overshawn was like the one healthy linebacker. We, like in terms of, I know, the other, you look at the depth chart, everybody's healthy right now outside of Overshawn, but it's like we drafted Jabril Cox. He was injured when we drafted him. We drafted Damone Clark. He was injured when we drafted him. LVE obviously has a history of injuries. And so it was like Overshawn was the one healthy linebacker we had that like I felt like he's young, he's spry. Obviously, injuries can happen to anybody, but it felt like Overshawn out of that entire group was least likely to get injured. So that hurts and obviously it affects depths. But Above all, rooting for recovery for the guy because if you've seen his tweets lately, he's he's staying optimistic about it. He's shown a lot of class through this. Yeah, and it's tough because last week we had talked about him um, extensively, really, and I think we're not unique in that. There's a lot of people in this fan base that are really excited about his future prospects, and they still are, but we're going to have to wait a year for it. Uh, it's tough because I said last he made me he made me a real believer when he stepped up in the middle, became a vocal leader, kind of told Dak Prescott, step aside. Let me handle the the breakdown here before the pregame. I thought that took a lot of stones, a lot of charisma from a from a young kid in, a, in his first action. Um, so that's a really tough situation on the field. Now that puts the the the, the onus or the emphasis on Jabril Cox and Devin Harper to step up and, and be ready quicker. Right. I think. We didn't know exactly what DeMarvion Overshawn was going to look like, but we knew that that Dan Quinn was going to find a way to put him in advantageous spots. So that that's tough. That's a that's a tough pill to swallow. I don't know if we need to go down the Anthony Barr role or anything like that, but there seems to be that little bit of question mark at the linebacker position position that we were talking about leading up to this point. 
as far as John Stevens Jr. goes, that's a really tough situation because, again, I, you know, I mentioned Danny a little earlier. Danny was banging the table that he thought he might have been tight end three or maybe tight end four here, and he thought he might have been safe on a on a roster spot. Now, I wasn't 100% there yet, but it's tough to deny with some of the product excuse me, some of, the, some of the production and some of the things that he was able to do so far. And for him to be out and lose him for, you know, a knee injury, that's a tough deal. Undrafted guy, so it doesn't have, you know, as big of an impact or it doesn't have as much of a storyline that like a third round draft pick does. But all in all, it, it does have a big, massive ripple because what's this What's this do for a Sean McEwen? What's this do for a Honda Lepke? Like some of these guys being not here, may have in all intents and purposes save some other guys jobs that are probably on the outside looking in so you hate to see that um you see it every year though that's the tough part and you, you know it's something about going up in seattle there's always some injury or some issue there and um you know you hope especially for the best. seattle in the preseason right right so you know these two guys you hope for the best we'll see you in 2024 but you got to kind of move forward with this. And that's why I'll ask this next question for you here on the same topic. Now, does it change specifically to Marvion Overshone? Does it change how you feel about this linebacker room? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you are you less optimistic? Are you less positive about this group as a whole now? Uh, yes, I absolutely am. And not that because I, I like how you limited it to Overshone because John Stevens... I, I didn't really touch on that much. I didn't. I haven't touched on him yet. But the the impact is less that. Yeah, he probably wasn't going to see a lot of playing time this year, but he was this camp standout that everybody's looking at, and it's like, okay, I want to see his potential play out in twenty twenty three, and we're not going. We're sadly not going to get to see that. Over Sean, on the other hand, yeah, that it seemed like he kind of had the tight end three position on lock. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it seemed like he had already jumped to Cox in the depth chart. I think the issue now is. We know what we have in LVE. It seems like we know what we have in Damone Clark. He's going to be solid. We don't have to worry about him. But like you talked about early in the season when you were discussing the linebacker questions, after Damone Clark now, it's all question marks. Jabril Cox, seen potential at times, but we haven't seen it play out. Obviously, Devin Harper, he looked all right last year. Nothing to bang the drum about. And so at, at, like, then do you start getting into like, I, I don't know, who who's the... I'm blanking on his name 50 what's his name the special teams linebacker Devin Harper now the Lee Jefferson De- Isaiah Land Devin Harper yeah Malik I mean Jefferson. Malik Jefferson was the name I was trying to come up with like Malik like we just don't have much depth outside of this two starters right now and it's I still have a, the utmost faith in LVE and Damone Clark but it's very similar with the offensive line of okay, one of those guys goes down or one of those guys needs a breather. Now you start treading into some territory that I don't want to be treading in given this team. Yeah, and everything you said is is it's accurate, right? Now now we got to look at the configuration, how these guys are going to, you know, what are the, what are the snap counts going to look like, right? Who steps up? Who's going to take those snaps that otherwise would have gone to overshone there? Um, but what I will say, and this is not taking nothing away from him, it's just kind of how this team is built and how Dan Quinn is kind of built this team um the way they use the safeties and the way that you know they only have most of the time two linebackers out there and they got jaron jaron curse down donovan wilson down you know even marquise bell these guys can play in the box they can act as like a de facto hybrid linebacker so i think 
if you're going to lose a guy who you're expecting to play significant snaps or have an impact, linebacker might be one of those spots where the Cowboys can get away with it, right? Because they have other ways to kind of do it. Now, you know, Devon, Donovan Wilson's a big hitter. J. Ron Curse is a physical player. They don't got the size that Overshone does. So you're kind of giving up some mass in that sense. But like how much athleticism? Is it an even swap? Is there a little bit more there? That's going to be up for Dan, Dan Quinn to be able to kind of figure out. So while you hate to see it and while you understand that there is definitely going to be an impact, I feel like the Cowboys are able to weather the storm because of how they implement and use their safeties and other guys in that spot. Completely agree with you on that. We've seen Curse play in the book. Curse is... To me, like he he's excellent when we can move him to the box. And obviously we have the safety depth to do that now. Donovan Wilson, we I we know what we have. I'm fine letting Marquise Bell play a lot more in 2023 if it means we can uh move J. Ron Curse down in the box more. I do have a question for you because you were the one a couple months ago that's was not you weren't freaking out, but you were concerned about the linebacker room. Are you back to like where you were when we when there were that question marks where like because your concern was we know we have an LVE, but outside of that, it's all question mark. Are you back to that spot of, okay, this is an area of concern? Well, it's it's a good question because I think Damone Clark has settled me, but then the losing overshone has kind of unsettled me back a little bit. So I wasn't 100% certain of what Damone Clark was going to look like. He seems to be exceeding expectations, so that brings a little bit of comfortability. But you, you mentioned it a couple minutes ago. We're kind of razor thin there now. You know, I mean, we got two guys that I like. We like Lane Van Esch and we like Damone Clark. When they're out there, we're going to be in a good spot. As long as everybody's healthy, we're in a good spot. If those guys who both, you know, fact of the matter, have an injury history now, you know, what happens if those guys are out a game, a two, a month, or whatever the case may be? Now we got guys that we got to lean on that we probably didn't expect to have to lean on here. Yep. I mean, we're, I, 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 ironically enough, I think we've now pivoted where, I'm more concerned about the linebacker room than you are. <laughs> Maybe I was just putting way too much faith in Demaria and Overshawn in the beginning. And I, I am really looking forward to, to seeing what he's got in 2024. But you mentioned it. It's just a shame. We have to wait another year for sure. And then kind of in the same vein, you know, we had talked about John Stevens jr. Possibly a fourth, you know, fourth tight end, maybe a third, maybe he doesn't even make the roster. Now looking at this, and all of the possibilities that includes him with him being on IR and injured here. Who is this benefit? Is this a Sean McCune benefit? Is this a Peyton Hendershot benefit? Who from this situation is going to capitalize from an unfortunate situation here? Yeah, the, you mentioned it's an unfortunate situation, but the clear, I don't want to use the term winner, but the clear beneficiary of this is Sean McEwen. I before John Stevens went down with the injury last night, Sean McEwen had just made an excellent grab where it was kind of a it was a little bit in front of him. He had to reach out for it, secured it, got the first down. And in my notes, I wrote, I, I don't see as of this moment, I don't see a huge drop off between John Stevens Jr. and Sean McEwen. So like to me, uh, yeah, Sean McEwen now has a much better chance to make the roster because those two guys were battling it out for that fourth tight end position if the Cowboys decide to carry four. So yeah, the, the beneficiary is clear. It's it's weird to use the term beneficiary in this situation. Yeah, you're right. It it, it doesn't feel right to say it, but it, but it's the fact of the matter, right? The fact yeah. of the matter is, you know, opportunities present themselves and they're never usually um, squeaky clean, right? So it is what it yeah. is sometimes. And, 
you know, so we kind of move on. The Cowboys got to roll with the punches. Those positions now, you know, somebody else has got to step up. And that's what we we expect, right? There is this is too good of a football team to to let a couple of these situations derail this season. And I don't anticipate that happening here. So um, we'll kind of put a bow on that that chapter there of this podcast and move on to the game more specifically. We had talked about the injuries and we had talked about some of those things here, but I want to talk about what is our biggest takeaways here. Now you can only give me one. Give me your biggest. What do you got here? I watched this game and the first thought that came to my mind was what Aiden. With one takeaway, I don't like being negative, but mm. my biggest takeaway from this game is that we need to start sounding the alarm on Mozzie Smith. I'm mm. we didn't see a lot from Mozzie. Just to put this in perspective, because I I was watching, we we're getting it was like one o'clock here in Texas. I was kind of over the game or twelve thirty, I guess, in Texas. I was kind of over the game. But I see Mozzie Smith playing in the fourth quarter where I'm done with the game, but our first round pick still in the game. So I took a little <laughs> note of players that Mozzie Smith was playing with in the first in the fourth quarter. Keep in mind, this is the Cowboys first overall draft pick mm-hmm. was playing with Isaiah Land, who we'll actually talk about had a great game. Darrell Johnson, Josh Butler and Miles Brooks. That is your mm-hmm. first overall pick is playing with names that 80 80- Nine, 99% of the Cowboys fans might have never heard of before. Like, that's <laughs> why is that happening? And it, here's the thing it would have been different if it was like Mozzie Smith dominating the entire game and the the coaches just made a mistake by putting him in too long. I genuinely think the coaches were like, Mozzie, are you going to? We have to give you four quarters because we have to see something out of you. We have to see you make one tackle. Like, it was just like, that's what concerned me the most was you play Mozzie Smith essentially the entire game, which is not encouraging at all. And in that entire game, Mozzie Smith does. Very little. So once again, preseason, but it's concerning. Yeah. And I think you had even alluded to this last week in the sense that Mozzie Smith and his ability or, you know, the lack thereof um, had him in deep into football games last week. So you're, it's, it's, you know, two weeks in a row and I tried to defend it. I'm like, oh, maybe they just want to give him some snaps trying to, you know, trial by fire here. They're trying to get him in there and get some more action, but you're right. I think, and I will say social media in all in all instances is very unfair. I think the the rhetoric on, you know the, the rhetoric on Mozzie Smith is probably not warranted to be as 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 you know as aggressive as it's been. But it's fair. You know, you you want a guy, your first round pick, you want this guy to not get blown off the ball. We had talked about this size and him being some Herculean guy. And I know a lot of football is about technique. And if your technique is so poor that you're masculine size big body dude is getting thrown around he's getting tossed out of the club that that's a problem right and then you like you said he's in the fourth quarter with guys who you know buying all temp intents and purposes maybe one or two of those guys are going to be practice squad guys because the other guys aren't going to make the 53 you no. know so yeah. maybe a couple of them are around in september but no that's that's a problem it's a concern i understand people's nervousness i will say this a little bit of hope and I'm not telling you this, I'm telling the Cowboys Nation, the listeners this, that's a position that the good work isn't going to show up in the stat sheet, right? The good work isn't going to come up in, in the form of numbers. It's going to be eating double teams. It's going to be taken on blockers. It's going to free up space for linebackers. So, yes, the numbers may never, ever be gaudy, but we still need to see that type of work. And we didn't see that type of work. And that's a, that's a serious problem right now. No, I completely agree with you. And that's why I do want to clarify. My big takeaway was 
I'm sounding the alarm on Mizey Smith. I'm not calling him a bust. I'm yeah. not saying that I've given up hope on him. I do think that there's absolute we're it's two preseason weeks. He's a young, he's a he's a rookie player. There's absolutely room to develop. So yeah, I'm not giving up hope. And I want to clarify, I'm not giving up hope at all on Mozzie Smith. And I do agree with you that the defensive tackle position, I mean, you're not going to register double digit sacks unless your name's Aaron Donald. You're not going to be putting up 10, 11 tackles a game like the linebackers. I will say though, and this is just off Yahoo, Mozzie Smith didn't appear on this stat sheet. Despite playing essentially four quarters of football, I'm not seeing a single solo or assist tackle. So that's 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 where I'm getting concerned. I mean, that's valid there. I mean, like you said, the the rhetoric on him is the magnifying glass and the rhetoric is going to be on him like crazy next week against the Raiders. So um, I don't do you think he plays? I mean, is he out there? I mean, he just went from playing four quarters twice to, you know, now usually, you know, different teams handle it different ways. But Mike McCarthy hasn't played his starters at all. I could see a world where they don't see any action at all. And maybe these are, you know, back end guys. Does Mizey Smith can constitute as a first round pick as somebody who doesn't need action in that final game? I I mean, if you had asked me at the beginning of the preseason, I'd say, yeah. But after seeing the names he was playing with last night, like I just yeah. I'm what's your confidence level that. Or what what percent chance do you have Mozzie as a starter week one? Because zero, I, I have a percentage in mind, and I want to hear yours. What is zero? What's zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't think I, I, I mean, mine was one in the off chance that, like, I don't know. Yeah, he goes out there and puts up six sacks in week in preseason week three, but like rotational yeah, run defender right now. Yeah, and you know? which is like at this point, like you're gonna see uh, other rotational run defenders playing in preseason week three so i mean i get he's a first round pick but it seems like the cowboys that doesn't matter they're gonna no. keep playing and him. it shouldn't matter if, yeah. if 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 you're not in the too deep or if you're not in the you know the this group it, the, the draft position doesn't matter i know it does in the politics plays uh, a factor in some things it shouldn't though and if mozzie smith needs all the reps he needs to go out there and get it there's guys like i've i've called twice this preseason where i said damone clark put a baseball cap on jalen tolbert put a baseball cap on yep. i'm not i'm not screaming that for mozzie smith mozzie smith needs to go buck, buckle up the chin strap and go make a play so i digress but it's a tough situation right now for the kid that's what i was gonna say if jalen tolbert's playing Mozzie Smith is definitely out there. Yeah, for sure. But speaking of Jalen Tolbert, and you went with that way, and I'm going to kind of spin it with a positive. And my biggest takeaway, and I'll read it exactly how I wrote it, Jalen Tolbert is about to do what we all hoped he would do last year. I mean, this kid, I like he, it. He's, a, he's arrived, right? And I'm not talking wide receiver one arrived. I'm not talking, you know, top 10 guy, C.D. Lamb arrived. He's arrived in the fact that we have a legitimate wide receiver four who is going to keep defenses honest. And if Dak has to go to him, he's capable and willing to make a play. He's made two or three impressive plays so far this, this preseason. He had four catches for 66 yards yesterday. It seems like every time they needed a stick mover on third down or some type of play, they went towards him. And I know that some of that is because he's like the most polished guy out there. Most of the time with the younger cats, but, but he's earned everything he's got. Jalen Tober got in the playbook. He's got his confidence back. Maybe a little bit of Mike McCarthy's offense in this, uh, you know, Texas Coast offense. Some work with Dak Prescott's doing them wonders. Um, Jalen Tolbert in year two is going to be exactly what we had hoped he would be last year. And it's such a good thing for this Cowboys offense. I will say when Jalen Tolbert caught that deep ball on the sideline, which, by the way, was 
a beautiful body adjustment. Tolbert just comes back to, and it looked effortless. It looked like, oh yeah, I'll just put my foot in the ground real quick and it's an easy catch for me. When that happened and I saw the penalty flags fly, I merely thought it was if they call another offensive pass interference on a beautiful catch, I'm I'm I might throw my remote through the TV because it was like that, like Jalen Tolbert last week got robbed of one, which I think we both agreed was a questionable 50-50 offensive pass interference. This one actually defensive pass interference. Jalen Tolbert makes an amazing catch. And like you said, yeah, it just seemed like, especially in the first quarter, specifically with the first touchdown drive, I guess. No, first drive. It, yeah, it was constant. Oh, there's Jalen Tolbert. There's Jalen Tolbert. Oh, Kevontae Turpin caught one. Cool. There's Jalen Tolbert again. And I, what's the ceiling? I have a question. What's the ceiling for Jalen Tolbert at this point? Seeing as how he's developed, I, I don't think, 3B splitting time with like an equal amount of time with Michael Gallup's out of the question. Now that's that's like that's the ceiling. I'm not calling for it, but I don't think 3B is out of the possibility. I mean, no. I mean, the way he plays, if if it's last year's Michael Gallup version, I think it is that. But if yeah. Michael Gallup is himself, which is a good thing, um, he might be a, a hair underneath that, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. My, you know what I mean? We're totally fine. I mean. My ceiling or my hope for him is we had talked this before. I hope he just ends up being like a Cedric Wilson, you know, mm-hmm. a, a young, cheaper wide receiver for who you can rely on to make big plays. And if he can become a Cedric Wilson or even close to that, the, the Cowboys with Brandon Cooks, with the CD Lamb, who's a superstar, with a with the healthy, confident Michael Gallup, with Jake Ferguson, there's enough weapons here to really do some absolute damage on offense this year. Yeah, I, th- I think. If Jalen Tolbert, if Jalen Tolbert is who we think he is, and he's like you mentioned, just like that Cedric Wilson, very, very reliable wide receiver four would be a wide receiver three for most teams, then your takeaway could have just been the Cowboys are set at weapons. Like CeeDee Lamb, we're obviously confident in. Brandon Cooks, we've heard great things. He's gonna stretch the field, gonna be great for us. Michael Gallup, hope like you hopefully he comes back from the injury and he improves. But I mean, if you throw in Jalen Tolbert, Peyton Endershot. Jake Ferguson, the rookie Luke Schoonmaker, like the Cowboys are set at weapons right now. Absolutely. You know, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun. It's fun to watch it because we had talked about it. We know this defense is going to be good. We we have a real good feeling about this offense. There's enough ingredients there to have a potent offensive attack. And I think a lot of it, I think a lot of people can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that Tolbert has a chance to be who they thought they were. And and that's, this is the lesson to be told about the Mozzie Smith people who got the pitchforks hey, yep. up. You know what I mean? You know, if, if he doesn't have year one, like we hope it does not mean that, you know, he is out of, you know, SOL, right. He's not SOL necessarily. So we got to be patient. And I actually, I think I said it to somebody before I might've said it on Twitter. I'm like, we're so accustomed to hitting on these first round draft picks that, like people expect it to happen immediately. And it just, that's not reality most of the time. And also like, listen, the Cowboys were picking late this year. There's a world where Mozzie Smith, uh, once again, I'm not calling for this. I don't know what his career is going to progress. We're only through two weeks of preseason, but there's a world where Mozzie Smith is a decent role player for a while. He gives us games like he's just a pretty good defensive tackle. And that's not a bad thing because yeah, you're right. Not every pick's not going to be the Zach Martins, the Travis Fredericks, the Tyron Smith, the Ezekiel for a little bit, the Dak Prescotts, the 
Micah Parsons. Like those are just home run picks that the Cowboys made. That's not always going to happen. And that's, we can't, it's unfair to expect out of every player we draft. Absolutely. I mean, you hit it on the head there. I mean, it's, you just got to be patient with these guys. And I think it's fair to absolutely be patient with, um, with Mozzie Smith. And cause you know, you never know. It could end up looking like Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. Real quick. So back to the wide receiver room, because we're now through two preseason weeks. I think we have a pretty good idea. Things will shake out more week three, but I do want to get Tony Catalina's six wide. Let's assume they carry six wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Who are those six names? So I do think they're going to carry six. And I obviously the three are easy. I think yep. four is Jalen Tolbert is easy. Yep. Fifth, fifth to me is Kevante Turpin. I think he's showing a little bit of offensive work, right? Like, he looked he had, better this week. He did. And I yep. think, and on top of that, this is with Cooper Rush going against the ones, right? You get him in there with Dak Prescott with some real weapons on the outside where Kevante Turpin becomes the, the afterthought. You know, Kevante Turpin on like a fourth corner or a fifth corner, or safety or whoever, I think it's a dangerous mismatch. So I got Cavante Turpin at the fifth. And it's tough. You know, I know there's Jalen Moreno Cropper and, you know, Simi Fajoko, whatever the case may be. I think it's Jalen Brooks. I think Jalen Brooks is number six and he's looked solid all camp and he had a decent preseason game la- uh, last night. I, so to me, the wide receiver six, I think it's put, put the names in a hat and draw. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. Or I'm not confident in anybody at wide receiver six. I will say, had a couple nice grabs last night. I don't think Dontario Drummond's completely out of the wide receiver six conversation. Mm -hmm. And like a note that I wrote last night, I just said Dontario Drummond wide receiver six question mark. Like it's (laughs) it could happen enough that he's in the he's in the discussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Do you agree that like he's he flashed at least he showed some he showed some juice and you know. There were there was a driver like they force fed Simi Fajoko and I think it was for like a total of like six yards or something yeah. like that. Like so I and let me ask you that, just to piggyback on off of that, is is can you stick a fork in Simi Fajoko? Is he done? Like is he all done on this team? Because I feel like the fat lady's uh getting her vocal cords ready. I've seen enough from Simi Fajoko for me to say like this guy's never gonna and if if he were to be wide receiver six, I'm sure he'd make one or two catches in the regular but like he's never gonna he has no upside to me anymore and maybe i'm being a little bit too harsh on the guy but i just don't see a world where simi fahoko is a reliable contributor and for that reason why not roll with the moreno cropper why not yeah. roll with the drummond why not roll with the jalen brooks who has that upside and is young unlike simi fahoko who what we're going to like is this the fourth season third yeah, season of third simi? fourth yeah yeah I mean, let me ask you this is is it aggressive to say that he may be the most talented, but does the the least with his opportunities. I don't, I don't know if it's talented's tough. I he he is the most like physically prototypical wide receiver. Like yeah. physically, he fast. should have worked. Like he's yeah. fast, he's big, he should have worked. I just I haven't seen any like man that guy hasn't translated. Work on the jugs machine, my man. Yeah, it's yeah. It's tough. No, it's tough because, like you said, there's a, like there's three or four guys fighting for that six spot. Now you didn't give me your six. Are you are you comfortable with the five I got, and then six is kind of pick a name out of a hat? I was I was the five you got is perfect. I think that's close to a lock at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'd throw just to throw out a hot take. I'd say Dontario Drum is the six. Okay, that would be interesting. And and honestly, that is the type of move that like when we're dissecting the fifty three man roster when it comes out initially. 
where you'd be like, oh, I didn't really see that coming. But then you, you, somebody like you'd be like, I kind of saw it. You know what I mean? Like, so I, we have moves that happen like that. We're like, oh, that's interesting. But I think I, I think I kind of nailed that one. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I will say for, for upside, Moreno Cropper, Jalen Brooks has higher upside. So I'm if the 53 man comes out and it's one of those two names, I am. I will not be disappointed in the slightest. Absolutely. And so as we, we kind of go here, we're going to go to our final topic, our final section here of the first and 10 podcast, rehashing everything that happened in the Cowboys Seahawks preseason game two here. Uh, we're going to do a winners and losers segment here. We're going to pick one winner and one loser together. Um, let's start with the, let's start with the negative, right? Cause I want to end the, I want to end the show on a positive note. We'll do the winners last and we'll kind of wrap it up there. So give me your loser for the night. Ooh, um, loser, loser, loser. You go first. I'm. I have to think because okay. my big loser was. I'm not gonna rehash Mozzie. We've we've that, dogged on him. I literally, as we were talking, erased Mozzie Smith's name off my <laughs> list, and I and I went for something a little obscure, maybe something that's not as impactful. But I I, I had to put it in there because it's just how I genuinely felt. Last year, I was singing his praises. Thought he had a chance to be number two. I think Will Greer is the biggest loser of the night. Yeah. Uh, you up there too? You had him on there? I mean, it's it's Cooper Rush is the clear quarterback, but I'll yeah, let you, yeah, it's not, you're right. It's not you are absolutely a, right. It's yeah. not a conversation anymore. I mean, the indecisiveness, the just uh, Cooper Rush, man, whether whatever he's limited in in athletic ability and in skill, he makes it up for it in comfort and composure. He's just out there distributing the football, handing it off, getting up there, taking shots like a mother because he's he's got the backup offense line him there and he's not even phased. Will Greer out there is like a chicken with his head cut off. You know, the, the, his mental clock goes off. He's running, he's scrambling, he's jumping around. He throws the ball. He throws a, a bad red zone pick. We're just trying to see Brandon Aubrey make a field goal attempt him, man. You know what I mean? Give us something. So, no, I think Will Greer, um, I, was, I was championing him for him a little bit. You know, I wasn't Rico Dotto level of champion for him, but at the same time, I thought he had a little something that they could invest in. Now, the one thing that may help him help him out is that you can have three quarterbacks on your active roster. So he may have a job out of comfortability, but I'm all set. If we ever see Will Greer in a game, I don't think we really need to see that. So my biggest loser outside of Mozzie Smith, because we're not trying to throw dirt on this guy, would probably be Will Greer. No, I think you're completely right. And it was... At the beginning of the, I think it was like around training camp, beginning of preseason-ish, I was making the case that let's just make Will Greer the quarterback. Like, obviously, I'm not around the team, so I don't know. But I, I made the argument of Will Greer has, at this point, he ha- he's more willing to air it out. He's more willing to be that deep ball passer that we haven't really seen from Cooper Rush. Maybe he's a little bit more physically gifted, obviously a better runner. But after last night, I was, yeah, I'm I'm wrong. I'm, I will die on that. Like, I am dead wrong about that <laughs> because Cooper Rush is light years ahead of Will yeah. Greer and I wouldn't if Will Greer is coming in for the Cowboys and I don't want to dog the guy too much but if he's coming in for the Cowboys 
back up the season. Things are things are not going to work out because what he's not going to go four and one. (laughs) No, he took unnecessary sacks. He wasn't that accurate. He had like I was I was waiting because at the end of the game it was you're down eight after the blocked punt. You're down eight. Well, girl, let's see what you got. And it was like, oh, that was about as ugly as it gets. So it was keep going. There were like two situations where he could have literally just underhand tossed the ball for a first down to a couple of yeah. guys and he tuck it and run it. He tucked it right. Yeah. He couldn't and like it. that. That measurement. Well, yes. like that one where they need the measurement. I'm like, you don't need to measure this. He was clearly yeah, right. a yard short, but he had an open guy. Bro, yeah. He could have literally egg tossed the ball to Rico Dottle and he would have got six. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, there was like two situations where I'm like, he's doing too much. And is twice this uh, this preseason where it's been like third and one, third and two. And he's uncorking like a 35 yard bomb. That's not even accurate. You know what I mean? No. And so I just he doesn't know how to just, you know, you can't go broke taking a profit. Go get the two reset the downs. You can do it on first down. You can do it on second and short. But like third and one, you're running. He, he, he looks like, a you know, Bambi out there sometimes. You know, I know he has athletic ability, but it's almost like his feet is moving too fast for his mind and he can't keep up. Yeah, it was that was tough to watch. Also, on the inverse of this, shout out to Cooper Rush. He had Cooper Rush. I don't. Probably won't be our winner after this conversation, but could be listing the winners. He yeah. Cooper Rush to me, he looked great last Solid. night. Yeah, bro, and I and I, I said it a couple of minutes ago. I'll say it again. This was our twos versus their yep. ones. Like sustain what a seventeen play drive that capped off with a Rico Dial touchdown. Like you love that. I mean, against yeah. the ones. I mean, you're talking about like what three starters on the field? Maybe two. Like will we not even on offense? Yeah. And he did went out there and played well. So. If the game could have ended right there, we would have been all right. <laughs> Can you think of a starter? That I don't. Now I, don't I think, think about it. Yeah, no. Now I think about it. No, the I entire mean, offensive line, obviously. I mean, Jalen Tolbert's. We just talked yeah. about probably no, a no zero starters. I misspoke. Yeah. There wasn't even two or three starters. Like I was thinking about Matt Farniak. I was thinking about Jalen Tolbert, but those are rotational pieces. That's not zero starters versus Seahawk. I don't know if Seahawks had every starter out there, but they had at least six or seven guys on defense that are starters for them. And it was that drive was effortless. Like yeah. it, it was like I don't even know. Like we might have had one, two third downs, but it was other than that, we we're just rolling. Is that McCarthy so. in his bag? A little bit. Was that you know? Is that a little Texas Coast bag work right there? Seventeen play drive with your twos against the defenses ones. Like that's about of a preseason resume boosters you can ask for a play caller. And I will like. There's several times where I I like back in the Jason Garrett mindset of, okay, I'm. I'm expecting a run here. We passed on first down like the last two times. Here comes the run. And it was like, oh, no, it's another Cooper Rush bootleg. OK, OK, McCarthy. Oh, speaking of that, that drive where they hit like five straight tight end plays. It was like every tight end got a little bit of work, you know, bootleg. Yeah. They throw it at John Stevens bootleg. You know, schoolmaker got one. Then I think McKeon got one. It was yeah. Ferguson. You know, I, it was just it was just nice to see. There's yep. just a lot of quality decisions, you know, and, and, you know, play calling wise and the Cooper rushes out there and just making the right throw. And that's all you need from your guy who, you know, we've seen it. He can come in, he can play, he can win four games out of five and you can keep you afloat. Now I've Cooper rush. I'm sorry for doubting you, man. You are the backup quarterback. You are the guy. I know. Never doubt with you. I'll never doubt you again. <laughs> Good. I'm good with them. So who is your uh, your biggest loser? You got one? So, yeah, when I pivoted, I pivoted to a name. And when you started to list the guy who had, you said, had the shot at the two position, Mm -hmm. failed, fell flat. To me, big lose. Like we we talked about it last week. It just became it's like solidified now. 
to me, the big loser from last night was Malik Davis. Like, mm. I think I honestly didn't even have that bad of a game. Like Malik Davis, he finished with eight for 32, four yards of carry. Like he didn't yeah. look as bad last night as he did in preseason week one, but it was like, oh, and I I might be trampling on your win here. I'm sorry because you deserve <laughs> to take your victory lap. But I was like, oh, Rico Dowdle, he is clearly the running back too. Like that guy mm. has juice. That guy can move. And then you get Malik Davis in there. It's like, okay, not that bad. And then Deuce comes back in, has that amazing spinning touchdown that could, he could have been tackled by four. I'm like, <laughs> there's just like two clear running backs I'm seeing playing right now that are like seem to be exponentially better than the others. And then I'm watching Malik Davis, who's all right, but like, and maybe they keep him. I, I will say Deuce did come in after Malik got his touches. So there is this, still the chance. I, I don't know how the Cowboys currently view it, but. Malik, at least for the running back two, like he's he's lost that role. He's he's there's no way he's starting the season as the running back two. So yeah, so just credit like he didn't he once again he didn't look that bad. But Malik Davis is my big loser from the night. Yeah, I'll stay there. I'll stay specifically on your loser because I want to get to my winner in a different section. I want to give it the proper context. Yeah. But for the specific for the loser, you're absolutely right. I think. There were a lot of people in this fan base that were like, Malik Davis is the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. And everyone kept saying that. And um, and that's what kind of made me a champion for Rico Dottle is that I'm like, hello, like this is revisionist history. People don't realize that Malik Davis got a chance because Rico Dottle got hurt, not because he beat him. And it wasn't because he was the better running back. He didn't make this 53-man roster initially because Rico Dottle beat him out. And I'm sitting here saying, like, okay, like Rico Dottle, this team, they believe in him. They just haven't had the chance to show it. So Malik Davis, you know, take nothing away from him. I think the guy is skilled. He runs hard. He's got ability. He's got wiggle. Malik Davis could help this team. He's just caught in a numbers game right now where Deuce Vaughn's a sixth-round pick who may be the most exciting guy in, in football right now as a rookie, yep. right, taking the league by storm. So he's locked in. He's two games in, two touchdowns, looks impressive doing it, has special teams flex. If Kvante Turpin gets hurt for whatever reason, Deuce can do the kickoffs. He can do the punt return. Deuce is locked in. Then you talk to everybody, right? Patrick Walker, anybody within the thing, Nick Harris, all these guys that work for the for the website. They're all saying it's Rico Dow first up, and Rico Dow is not losing this job. So, yes, I 100% agree it, you could put him as the biggest loser for the last two weeks, or you yeah. could do it over the last you know five weeks with training camp involved because yep. everyone thought he was the you know the lead horse in this, and he and he just did not produce. And I think he eventually you know, might end up costing him a position on this football team. Yeah, I can. But and I was just looking at the stats again, Malik Davis to because I was surprised when I saw four yards of carry because I felt like when I was watching the game, I was like, that didn't look like four yards of carry. It looked like he was getting stuffed in the backfield every time. Well, he had well, one run for he, 19 yeah, he yards. Had an, Sorry. Yeah, yeah he had an 18-yard... No, you're completely right. He had an 18-yard rush. If you take that away, he ran for two yards of carry. Yeah. Now, it's Fluff a little bit... Yeah. It's a little bit picky-choosy because if you take away Deuce Vaughn's touchdown, he finished with zero yards on the night. <laughs> yeah. But Deuce has explosion on Malik's run. I was like, okay cool like he he got to he got to 18 yards but deuce it's like oh this yeah. guy has explosion he has agility he has speed i'm just not seeing anything like that from Malik. so yeah it's more of just like what i'm seeing from them with the touches they're doing less of like the final numbers aren't very telling yeah and so let's let's we we talked about the losers i picked will greer you picked malik davis 
Let's go over to the winners. I'll start us off here with the winner circle. Take your victory and, lap, Tony. Yeah, we'll stay in the running back room. You know where I'm going with this. Rico Dow is the biggest winner. He's running back two. I think it's clear and decisive at this point. As fun as Deuce Vaughn is, I think the things that Rico Dow can do in 2023. Now, maybe in 2024, Deuce Vaughn is that guy, and, and we can have that conversation later on. But right now, Rico Dowdle is the is the best back besides Tony Pollard in pass protection. He's the best back as far as understanding what his role is. He's got the most juice. He runs the hardest. I don't know if you caught it, but maybe because I watched Rico Dowdle too much. But did you <laughs> see his face mask? His no. face mask was he had to go and get like a different face mask. It was pinched shut because he was he was <laughs> running so hard that his helmet, like his face mask, like bent. And I'm like, man. This guy is impressive. Like he was falling forward, he was running hard. Would he end up with eight carries for thirty-eight yards? Wow, on the dot, <laughs> eight carries, thirty-eight yards, and one receiving touchdown that capped off the most impressive drive of the night. Rico Dow and Danny, Danny Phantom, if he's listening, our friend on the show. I've talked about him twice now. Make it three. Danny Phantom was my anti, you know, Rico Dow because he was big on Malik Davis. I saw he ended up putting some tweets out and he put an article that's going to come out pretty much conceding that it's going to be Rico Dial's job. And Danny is one of those guys who stands on his convictions and he does his work. So he deserves to say that and he deserves to have his own opinion. But for him to turn the tide on that, I, I'm impressed. I, I really hope Rico Dallas stays healthy because I think he could really help this team. I, he has special teams ability. He has pass protection ability. The Cowboys obviously trust him. And everyone in the know is saying that Rico Dallas seems to be the guy for the job. And you're right. I want to take my victory lap. I think the kid is a stud. I think he's going to help us out this year. No, you deserve your victory lap because we had Kyle Yeomans on and he said, he said he essentially told us Malik Davis was locked into the running back two position. And I asked you how you felt <laughs> about that. And you said you didn't lose hope. You still stood on your Rico yeah. Dowdle You've stood on it all um, off season. So you deserve to have your victory lap. Appreciate I will that. say also one thing that I think is huge in this emergence of Rico Dowdle is Deuce Vaughn's really fun to watch. And we're always going to be rooting for Deuce Vaughn. And he's still going to have a role on this team. Like you mentioned, special teams. He'll get some touches. He's going to he we'll, we'll see how they use him as like a gadget guy. He still got his opportunities, but I was concerned if he was going to be the running back too. And you're talking about a one-two punch of Pollard and Deuce. Like there's no size there. So the fact that Dowdle has elevated to running back two, you have size at that running back two position. You have a guy who, to me, like he it's he can be the goal line back. He's not huge. He's not Ezekiel Elliott size, but he at least he's bigger than Pollard. He's bigger than Deuce. So you have size in that backfield to the point where like you don't need to let Hunter Lepke take a dive play like. Dowdle can handle it. So that's huge that you now have a guy you can not only size in the backfield, but size that you can trust and size with explosion. Dowdle's not huge. Don't, don't, he's not Derrick Henry. Don't twist my words. But he is a guy that, like, I'm very excited to see how he contributes because he adds a very pivotal size piece to this running back room. To add more to that, he runs behind his pads, he runs low. And, and, he, and he drives his feet and he plays with a high motor, right? So he's a guy that, like you said, very, we got accustomed to Zeke Elliott not getting snuffed out a lot. Now, Rico Dallas got more juice. He's got more oomph than him, especially after, you know, the less wear and tear here. I think Rico Dallas can be more effective. I think he can be more effective in that short yardage. 
could see him punch it in. Um, yeah. So like, and having that deuce to be that kind of breakup variable, give him some touches, maybe let him be explosive, but having that Tony Pollard and that yin and yang type of contrast between Dottle and Pollard is I think exactly what the Cowboys were looking for. Yeah. I completely, yep. This is Tony. You're right. And I am wrong. I was wrong. Let's I, go. <laughs> this, is, this is impressive. What do you got for your winner? Now we'll wrap it up with uh, Aiden's big winner of the night. A peek behind the curtain. I'm still debating between two mm. guys. They both play the same position and I want to give them both their flowers. Okay. So I'm going to go with the guy who, if you watched the game, you would like, he, he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't, he didn't play the best. He wasn't the biggest winner, but I think he's getting, because of one play, he's getting too much hate. And I actually think he was a big winner from last night. Eric Scott Jr. to mm. me impressed last night. Okay. And if like, if you didn't watch the game and you just watched the highlights after, and you saw the big pass to Jackson Smith and Jigba, you're like, oh, Eric Scott had a bad preseason week one. Looks like he had a bad preseason week two. That wasn't the case because if you watched that play specifically, Eric Scott had him step for step. That was A, an amazing pass by Drew Locke, of all people, and B, an amazing grab by Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is the first wide receiver drafted this year, who looks to be a stud, played at Ohio State. He's going to work out as an NFL receiver. That is a first-round talent. Eric Scott had him step for step. It just happened to be a perfect pass. And then if you look at the other, the what happened on his other touches, to me, Eric Scott, he was finally moving with defenders. He was he he was mirroring them, which after last week was my big concern. It's like I don't know if he has the speed to keep up with them. No, Eric Scott Jr. had Jackson Smith the Jigba step for step, and outside of a miracle pass by Drew Locke, which ninety nine times out of a hundred he doesn't make, he had a good game. And if you just pay attention to that one play and the outcome of that one play specifically, don't let it deter you. That Eric Scott Jr. played well last night, and he he didn't play the best. But he is my winner because of how people are talking about him. That's encouraging, right? Because I, there's been a lot of positive hype about him in training camp. And he had talked about the anxiousness and the nerves he played with preseason game one. He did have a really good drive where I think they targeted him two times in a row, made yeah. a third down stop. Like, yep. you're absolutely right. Like, he he kind of responded, stepped up. And I think he's the type of guy who's going to continuously get better with more opportunities. It's going to get more comfortable. He's going to settle in. And I the Cowboys are obviously high on the kid. Um, I will say now if we're talking about cornerbacks, Kelvin Joseph's an honor, honorable mention. Right? That was the two names I was deciding. There you go, man. Yeah, it's like it's like we've been doing a podcast together for like a year <laughs> and a half. So no, but that, I love that Kelvin Joseph. I actually wrote a piece today that will be coming out on Blogging Boys a couple of days. Kelvin Joseph. The headline was kind of like, "Don't sleep on Kelvin Joseph. You can't bury him just yet. He's going to be around." But that helps though, because I think Kelvin Joseph is probably there's a group of three right where there's Trayvon, Stefan, Duran. And then the, the rest, right? Right. Kind That's of got some nice rhyming to it. I Trayvon, like it. Stephon, yeah. Duran. Yeah. No. <laughs> but the other group, I think Kelvin Joseph is probably the most talented of the other group. He just hasn't yeah. put it all together. Eric Scott is, you know, been a beneficiary of that. But if Kelvin Joseph can play well inside the nickel and he's got special teams value, he's going to find a role. But I love Eric Scott. I think he's going to be a, a big time player. I think he's going to be one of those stale picks. Um, I'm excited to hear you talk about him as a winner because I kind of felt the same way. And I knew that people, I don't want to say casuals, but people that are, you know, stat box guys, and then you're going to see the one big play and you're going to think, I'll oh, throw him out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? But that's not the case. Eric Scott did a much more improved game two than he played in game one. Yeah. Like to give you the, 
my thinking was when I was picking the winner was Kelvin Joseph had a better game. I think like if I was just going like pure winner from the secondary, Kelvin Joseph finished with two passes defended. He looked like the better cornerback in the game. But to me, the A, the jump from week one to week two, and B, the fact that that one play just really hurt him when I, it wasn't really his. He played perfect defense. So like that's the reason I picked Eric Scott. But you're completely right in terms of who had the better game, Kelvin Joseph, which is weird because to me, both Kelvin Joseph and Eric Scott played well. And yet it seemed like our secondary had a bad night. So I, yeah. I don't really know how that worked out, but that's the way that I saw it. Yeah. No, I will. Yeah. I, we, we can talk about that for a while. There's some schematic things, some mental errors left up yeah. some open space and just little things like that, that Dan Quinn's going to, you know, salivate you know to talk about right is something that he's really going to want to you know get in there and kind of coach up but but you're right i think i think we hit it on the head i think eric scott some of these guys the positive rico dial like the the winners in tonight was a little harder to find than probably the losers right you could you look and say okay maybe a couple of these guys didn't come out or play that well but it's good to be able to highlight some guys who who deserve it who could use that pick me up so i'm excited that you picked eric scott i think that was a good pick there uh, before yeah. we kind of wrap up, is there anything else you want to add here? We did we did talk a lot of Cowboys preseason football, and next week we'll get one more crack at it after they get the conclusion of playing the Las Vegas Raiders at home on Saturday night. Um, and after that, it's the real deal. There ain't no more preseason after that. It's the real deal. So um, before we go, anything else? Real quick question for you. Who's tied in two right now? Mm. You know what? I've only seen limited action. I know he just came back with schoolmakers. Making plays a little bit. He's making some might, plays. Yeah, I, 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 I might be wrong about my take that Hendershot's the tight end too. But I will. Hendershot still had a nice grab last night. It just doesn't yeah. seem like they want to get him involved in the passing game. Which I mean, maybe that's just a scheme. Yeah. But it's Schoonmaker is seems to be more involved in the passing game yeah. than Hendershot was. So he's I'm, a big body I'm, guy, man. Yeah. You ever notice he's got yeah. he's got a frame to him like that. Yeah, and he moves well. He catches the ball, gets upfield quickly. He he's. I don't know what his ceiling looks like, and I don't know if he'll ever take Jake Ferguson's job, but I, I'm a little bit more encouraged after what I've seen so far. I agree. Like, this is... Honestly, I think our tight end room is full of just dog. I'm... Yeah. It's sad, it's sad we lost John Stephen Jr. because we could have had another dog in there, but right. our tight end room is... That is full of playmakers. I'm it's excited complete. about that. It's complete. Yeah. And, and we lost Dalton Schultz, who was, you know... A solid guy, and we're still just fine. So it's encouraging. We got some more more uh, things to dissect. Like I said, next week, Las Vegas Raiders Saturday night, uh, eight central. I mean, excuse me, eight eastern, seven central. So we'll we'll keep you locked here with everything Cowboys Nation um, and blogging the boys. So from the first to ten podcast, Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.